0: It's time to give up, get your ass up, throw your hands up and say, well. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your recovery meeting on the air. Welcome to Sober in the City. Here's your sobriety assistant, Debbie Strand.
1: Do you or someone you care about suffer from untreated alcoholism or addiction? Contact Believe Treatment Center now, one 874 2354 or visit BelieveTreatmentCenter.com. Believe Treatment Center, we understand. I'm Debbie Strand, back with more Sober in the City, talking about how you can work a program of recovery and overcome your addictions, whatever they are. Drugs, alcohol, gambling, smoking, shopping, food addictions. They're all life issues that we do experience. Whether you're in recovery or not, whether you need recovery or not, we're here to get you the help you need. Call us now, share your opinion, tell me if you're staying sober, and if you're not, tell me why. Why? 800-SOBER-05 and visit us at soberinthecity.com and listen live on the Sober in the City app for both Apple and Android devices. You can hear this show and previous shows there and share them with your friends. Give them to the sponsee. I'll talk to them all night. (laughs) But right now, more about how did you start to become honest with others, with yourself, how does blatant honesty hurt others, and How can we be honest in all our affairs? We'll answer that and more. What is self-honesty? We begin to think differently. How do we begin to think differently? That cash register honesty is as good as it gets, but the self-honesty is deeper, a lot different and a lot deeper. I was working with a young man at the Believe Treatment Center in the Palm Beaches just the other day, and he had just come in there after being out on a relapse. And I asked him, what did you go out over? And he said, heroin. Now, this conversation's gonna be a little tedious as it was for me. And I asked, yes, but why? I felt like it, why did you feel like it? I didn't wanna feel, what is it that you didn't wanna feel? pressure over school and work. The the conversation went on like this and and God bless the guy. He's only 21. He said, I didn't want to feel. And what was it that he didn't want to feel was the pressure of school and work. I feel like I should be further down the road. He told me And when I asked him how old he was, he's only 21. So why was work and school feeling like pressure to you? Millions of people go to school and to work. I was feeling I was getting behind because I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do. So I asked him, so you're procrastinating? He said, yes. How are you going to get to where you want to be going? If you're going to procrastinate. So the superficial answer he started with was he was out for heroin. And when he got down to some self-honesty, it was, I had been procrastinating and not doing what I was supposed to do. So I got behind and I didn't feel like I was ever going to get to where I was going and I became overwhelmed. So I used, and I made it even worse. Now I'm in rehab, but I've never seen anybody sitting in rehab in their first week, still detoxing, being able to get down to that honesty. But if you can see how we just walk through that, that's basically what it takes. So we're going to go to some callers and see how they're doing it in their journey. We're going to go to John from New York. John, welcome to Sober in the City.
0: Hi, I'm
2: glad to be here.
1: Could you see how tedious that discussion was with that young man, but that's how we had to get down to that self-honesty with him. How do you work that out?
2: Well, I was, uh, it was painful for me as well. Uh, when I got into recovery, uh, when I first came in, I thought the ability to uh, lie straight face to another person was an attribute, you know, because that was all about trying to get what I wanted from everybody else. And it was like having a poker face, you know, and I could be successful, I thought, doing that. When I stopped doing that, when I stopped lying to others, uh, I didn't automatically become uh, honest with myself. Uh, What I found was that I was very, very delusional. Uh, And I had a a sponsor that was uh, I'll use the word direct. Uh, he was, uh, I thought he was being mean to me. Uh, you know, but he, he uh, helped expose a lot of these delusions I had. I, I, I thought I was one of the three smartest guys in the world.
1: <laughs>
2: and uh, seriously, I did. Uh, then later I got an April Fool's Day sobriety date. But.
1: Uh, <laughs> uh, Perfect.
2: <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, you know, I thought I was president of the Cool Guys Club, that everybody would be like me if they could. You know, uh, and I I was, uh, uh, I really believed that. Uh, And there were many other things. And my sponsor, you know, was, like I said, very direct with me and was challenging a lot of that. Uh, I thought my life was just on a slight decline. And uh, he'd been a fighter pilot in World War II, and he spoke in airplane analogies, and he told me my life. Uh, was I was like uh, I was out of I- altitude and airspeed and ideas and I had the glide angle of a brick. And, uh,
1: oh, that's beautiful. I love it.
2: It was yeah. It was uh, you know. I kept thinking, why is this guy being so mean to me? You know, <laughs> why is he? Why is he being so nasty? I, I didn't understand. You know, and uh, it, it took a while for, for me to understand that. That you know, I, I had the wrong wrong idea about myself and how I related to the rest of the world. Uh, you know, it was just that inflated uh, self. Uh, You know, and that was what was causing me problems fitting with the rest of the world. You know, I just uh, was was too big. My my ego was too big. Uh, So it was the ego
1: bringing you to the lies.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, I I think so. Uh, You know, when I look at other people, you know, I I don't know. I'm I'm a bright guy, but most of the people I meet in recovery are bright guys. You know, you don't meet a lot of people that are stupid. Uh, Most of us, I think, are average intelligence at least. Uh, you know, so you know the notion that I was like somehow brighter than everybody, you know, that that just didn't hold water. You know, I, I had I had some accomplishments, but uh, you know, I, I wasn't a Nobel Prize winner or anything. You know, <laughs> and uh, I, I wasn't going to be. <laughs> but you know, it was it was much easier for me to blame uh, blame that on other people rather than you know actually uh, lack of effort or lack of. Uh, capacity on my part you know I, I, I played the victim role a lot you know I would be more successful except for you know the ex-wives or the boss or you know the neighbor or the president or you know anybody but me and you know so that, again that was that uh, dishonesty you know I was the problem in my life and I didn't want to see that you know it's a Al Gore uses the word an inconvenient truth And, uh, you know, that's, that's what it was. You know, it was something I I didn't want to see. My first sponsor convinced me that, you know, I was the problem in in my life. You know, it wasn't somebody else. I wasn't a victim. I was the problem in my life. And that was a good thing because I could do something about that.
1: Was there a specific time or a specific event that you remember going, oh, that's what honesty is?
2: No, when I look back, it was kind of uh, uh, I woke up bit by bit by bit. You know, I woke up in certain areas. Uh, first off, I, I began to see that I wasn't a victim. Then I saw that I wasn't smarter than everybody else. Then I saw that I, gee, I wasn't really cool. That everybody didn't want to emulate me. You know, uh, you know. So it was it was kind of an incremental thing. And uh, I wish it was had been something where I went to sleep one night one way and woke up the next morning the next, but. It wasn't like that at all It was an incremental thing That went on for uh, I, I think probably A couple of years
1: It's really incredible for me You know I, I set off with this topic Of honesty And the more I'm starting To pick it apart And listen to everybody share And I'm seeing How much it's relating With ego
2: Well Yeah I, I think uh, uh, Most of our problems are uh, You know I, uh, I'm, I'm a, a firm believer In the 12-step program And you know That's all about Deflation of ego And And uh, I think that's why it's successful why it's been successful for me you know i got my ego right sized and uh, my problem was that it wasn't (laughs) it was way too big you know it got out there somewhere around the orbit of jupiter
1: Uh, (laughs) Well, when you were back in your addiction john i don't know exactly what your history was but if you were anything like me being a poker face liar kept me alive was there a time when you realized that the lies were no longer going to serve you, that they were now a, a negative asset? How did that come about?
0: Uh,
2: yeah, that did happen. Again, that was a, a gradual thing. What happened was uh, uh, after I uh, got clean and sober, one, the first thing I noticed was uh, I had a history of relationships that didn't work and uh, the relationships didn't work Uh, I I came to believe again through input from my sponsor because I hadn't been emotionally available or honest you know uh, essentially I hadn't been emotionally present or or honest and so I I started to try to become more honest uh, with with the the woman I was with and that kind of translated and and moved into other areas of my life before that, you know, I really didn't care. Uh, I wasn't interested in emotional intimacy. I was interested in physical intimacy, and not much more. And uh, so, when uh, when relationships became more uh, more important to me, more valuable, uh, I wanted to invest in them. You know, and the only way the way you invest in in relationships is with honesty. That's what I found, and uh, that was the first the first uh, that was the turning point. You
1: know. How's it working for you now?
2: Well, I've been with the same woman for 16 years in a, in, a, uh, in a wonderful relationship. It's probably the first uh, healthy and functional relationship in my adult life. But, you know, uh, it's, it's wonderful. You know, it's, it's, it's very, very good. And I, I get along with uh, most of the people I meet now, and most of the people get along with me. Not everybody, but mostly and uh you know i'm I'm able to be honest i don't i don't find it necessary to to be uh, untruthful and uh you know uh, there's a lot more self honesty uh, i feel when i when I'm doing something wrong when i'm saying something wrong i feel it uh, I, I you know I feel it rather quickly and you know i try to try to change you know. before I used to say things that were untrue for no apparent reason you know there there would be no gain for me but i I'd, I'd find myself saying things that weren't true <laughs> I don't know if you ever experienced that. You know, I was like, and I I'd think, why am I doing this?
1: <laughs> well, I always experienced yeah. that and then I'm trying to present myself as something more than I am. And I'm doing it to try to make myself feel better and others' opinions be better of me, thinking that was going to make me feel better. And because I was lying, I would end up feeling worse. So it didn't work.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's self-defeating, self-defeating. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, uh, but... We're, we're slow learners in that regard, aren't
1: we? <laughs> I think I've gotten through the other side. I just can't do it anymore. It's so hard to be dishonest now. I, I can't do it. I, I just can't do it. I can't live that way.
2: Well, yeah, I, I find that I, I can't either. And if I, if I do, if I am dishonest, I, I, I try to remedy that almost immediately. Uh, yeah, I, it, it, it causes me discomfort. It causes me great discomfort, in fact, Uh, you know, and uh, I'd rather, yeah.
1: I think the only lies that come up for me today are when I don't see what my own truth is or I don't yet know what I'm feeling or if I react to something instead of taking that time and that pause of, hang on, let me get back to you and let me decide how I feel. You know, I think those are the only lies that I'm participating in now, but who knows? I'm going to keep watching my inventory. John, thanks for being with us. We're going to go to Kevin. Kevin is from New York also. Kevin, welcome to Sober in the City.
0: Thank you. Thanks for
1: having me. Oh, my pleasure. Kevin, you're just talking about honesty. What are your stories of self-honesty? How do you get to the bottom of it? What is self-honesty?
0: Well, that took me a while to figure out. Uh, I First was I really appreciated being able to uh, be a part of listening to you and John. I could identify greatly with uh, what uh, you and John were speaking about. Uh, it took me some time to even understand that I wasn't being honest with myself. Um, I had created such a facade of existence, um, mainly as I think many of us deep into addiction, you know, for survival. And at some point in that, you know, I forgot where the lie stopped and the truth began and vice versa. You know, it was, it was such a haze that I didn't know which reality was, was you know, what was real. And, you know, until bad trouble would happen or something I could not talk my way out of. And as John mentioned early on in what you were talking about, I used to wear that as a badge of courage, being able to talk my way out of anything or into anything. And thought that was, you know, just a badge of courage and honor. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty rough lie uh, to live in that, that reality. And to get to when I got into the rooms, uh, how I found my surprise, I was in twelve step program and I was really captivated by the word and how it works. You know, that they used rigorous honest and I, I just I kept thinking about that. Rigorous, why did they choose rigorous? You know, and I had to go look it up because I wasn't quite sure. You know, and, and I, I got to the extremely thorough and, and the uh, exhaustive part of it because, you know, I was used to that. I was was exhausted in the lies I would tell the stories I create. I could be extremely thorough on the depth of any kind of lie I could uh, tell to get myself in or out of trouble. But the part that got to me was the accurate. And that's where you talk about the self-honesty. For me, it was accurate. That honesty of coming to myself and my being accurate. And you touched on the last part you, your John, John, what hit me is the pause. And that's what I was never, I could never be still. Everything had to be in motion. You know, either chaos or whatever I would create, you know, that was the drama of life. That was the spice. That was what kept me getting up every day. It was that drama either I could create or find. And and the pauses were not a part of my life. And my first sponsor told me, you know, that you have to learn to be still. You know, I'm like, what the heck are you talking about? That's not living. Until I, you know, by osmosis of being around people that I I started to admire and respect by the way they would talk or act in the rooms and, and just watching them and, and learning and, and seeing that there were times they would just be still and, and really be listening to other people talk about their story and their journey. And that was too fascinating to me because I don't know if I'd ever really listened to other people. I would watch them talk. I don't know how much I heard, you know, out in the world. But the honesty is... Um, I'm really glad I found it. And when my honesty, self-honesty would help me get to really, I think, some of the depths of my sobriety was to realize that, honestly, i would never really lived by my, or I don't even think I developed my own expectations for my own life. I lived by other people's expectations, either coaches or relationships or jobs or, you know, whatever. And, you know, they were all built on me not even knowing who I was. So there wasn't really much I was bringing to the table. I could convince people of that, but sooner or later that thread runs out, and there's nothing left. And you know, my answer was always geography. Just move somewhere else, and, and you know, invent something else. And that's uh, you know, as it said, it worked, still doesn't work.
1: Well, it sounds like and, you were uh, living like each it's, it sounds like you were living like the chameleon, you know, always trying to fit in and just listening long enough to figure out where we can manipulate and how we can make it work with this individual person, how we're going to get what we want. You know, does that sound like what you were yeah. doing? Yeah. Oh, even.
0: Oh, too, I, Dead on. And I mean, and as that same sponsor, as later I fired him and, and got another one <laughs> but because, you know, it wasn't suiting my needs. Because he saw through you. What I thought they were.
1: Because he saw through you.
0: He could see the truth. Oh, absolutely. But he was, you know, as John said, there's people I thought were being mean to me, but they were just loving me. And I did not know what love was to recognize enough that somebody was actually caring about me being a complete jerk and, Mm and hurting myself by not finding that honesty. And he told me, he says, you know, and this is something that's always stuck with me. And I'm, it may not apply to anyone else, but if it helps anyone, it's, it's a heck of a thing to try to realize. He told me that the disease will usually pick your first sponsor. And I was like, I, I it took me forever to understand what that meant. But as I, I look back on my sobriety, I do. It was absolutely true. first sponsor I picked was someone that I wanted. He had something that I wanted, and it wasn't sobriety. <laughs> it, was, it was a job. It was, it was to get in the inner circle of what I thought the club was of right. AA. And it, it was absolutely nothing to do with me finding my sobriety. I mean, it was because it was part of my journey. Right. But it, it was manipulative. It was total manipulation and trying to con. And, you know, they saw to it. I, I thought I was fooling everybody, but, you know, people with good sobriety, we have all seen it at some point, when we get a little further along, you recognize it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, and I'd like don't you know, say, I thought I was so smart, I was just, you know, I was going to get over on this and get what I needed and get out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, luckily, they loved me enough until I found how to love myself and get honest. And, uh, you know, I got beyond that.
1: And we run around with all that chaos and drama. Then that way we don't have to look at ourselves or ever tell ourselves the truth. And Kevin, I just want to touch on one more thing with you. What a bad feeling it is when you get busted in a pile of lies. No. God. Yeah. I, you were sharing and I was thinking about that. I was going, oh, God, I don't ever want to feel that again. Oh, that was so ugly.
0: Exactly. And that's the other honest, the thing that came with honesty. And that was is that I, I never knew the difference before I got sober and got honest that I understood the difference between humiliation and humble mm-hmm. and you know I was humble was like humble that's a bad thing but no, no no it's really not humiliation like you said I had plenty and tons of experience with that and didn't want anything you know I chased myself out of it or, or you know
1: switched towns and you're absolutely right it, it takes humility to be honest. Yeah. You got to have the humility. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, thank you so much for being with us. We're going to go to Victoria. Victoria's in Pennsylvania. Victoria, welcome to Sober in the City. Thanks for having me, Deb. Victoria, I'm looking forward to having you share some stories of self-honesty. How do you get to the bottom of it? And what is self-honesty? Can you help us out?
3: Wow. What a topic. That's a <laughs> <gap>. <laughs> Thanks. Um, yeah. Um, Self honesty, I I think John touched on it a little bit when he said that that when he came into AA or began his uh, path of recovery, he, he was very delusional. Um, I didn't know how delusional I was. I thought I was okay. I thought I was very moralistic because I, you know, I didn't do a lot of bad things. I tried not to lie, you know, throughout my life up until the point where I decided to to get sober. So it was kind of uh, a really rude awakening for me when I started to do the work in AA, the twelve step program, and. I began to see how sick my thinking really was. Uh, like I said, up until that point, I, I thought my thinking was normal and I was a healthy adult with a drinking problem or a drug problem. I, I had both. But uh, it wasn't until I, I guess I was so tired of being sick you know, being a drunk and and, and an addict, that I would have done anything to get well. I came into the room. I I didn't want to trust anybody. Uh, I didn't trust the process. But I was so beaten down, and I had heard some people share that there was a way out. And I thought, well, I've got nothing else to lose. i had already lost everything that was worth anything in my life. So I I met a a person, and I asked them to be my sponsor, and they agreed. And I started to do the work. And I, I did it not knowing what the end results were, not knowing if it was going to help me. I just did it because there was nothing, left, nothing else left for me to do. Um, but uh, the delusions, wow. Um, <laughs> and I didn't understand the delusions and the dishonesty um, until I was probably a quarter of the way or halfway into my fourth step. Um, when you start writing about the dishonesty in your life, when you look back thoroughly um, through your whole life and you write out your resentments and why you were resentful at people and but the, you know, the dishonesty. I told myself a lot, a lot. That's the scary part. And I believed them. <laughs> I True. Mean, I was. I was. I <laughs> I hear I'm telling you. myself. I, I can't be okay unless I have this job. I can't be okay unless I make that much money. I can't be okay unless this person loves me. And boy, how sick is that? Because. Yeah. At the end of my first step, I realized that, excuse me for saying this, but I'm going to, that God had already provided me with everything I needed, and I just was too sick to see that. So it was it was really interesting when I saw all the writing that I had done about my life, and I and I did do it as honestly as I could at the time. Uh, I thought it was pretty thorough, um... And then I was seven years sober, and some life circumstances happened. And I walked away from my recovery. I relapsed. I was out there for about six months, uh, pretty heavily. And uh, what I did, I, I believed that lie to myself again. I said, wow, if this is what recovery is about, and this is how my life is going to be from here on and this crap is still going to start happening. I mean, it was pretty major life change at some circumstances it wasn't just you know what um, I got to change jobs or something but, you know I lost some people that I loved very much I had lost a lot of trust and relationships in my life and it really made me question what God had planned for me. And I, I, I just couldn't see any good in it. And I did. I, I, I told myself a huge lie that I didn't need God anymore. I didn't need this recovery, and I relapsed. Um, wasn't pretty, but today I'm grateful that it happened because it got me to where I am today. Uh, do I fail at times? Absolutely. Do I tell lies? Not very often today. I don't think I do tell lies at all anymore. I think that was the biggest change in me. Um, But what's even better is if I... If I'm telling myself that I'm not okay because something's not going right, I'm having a problem at work or a problem at home, and I'm believing these lies that I'm not okay because of those outside forces, I have a way to go back and look and say, hey, you know what, that's a lie. Tell us what that way is. is
1: Tell us how you do that, because I think everybody needs that tool. How do you go back inside and say, I'm okay? How do you get there?
3: Well, for me, um, and I know for a lot of people that have done than this 12-step program, I today have a 10-step. Originally, when I came in uh, and did my, my steps, uh, at least one through five, um, I did. it was considered a four-step. And that's just a process of, you know, I'm resentful at this person because they talked about me behind my backside. So. Uh, and then I get to look at where I'm self-seeking and my behaviors. I get to see where I'm dishonest. And that dishonesty is that I'm not okay if that person's talking about me. Well, yeah, I am okay. And that person today can talk about me all they wish. It doesn't mean that it's the truth what they're saying. And everybody, you know, hey, everybody can have their own opinion. Uh, But at least I can get down to the root of it. And a lot of it is based on fear, which is also part of the four-step inventory. Uh, And that's, you know, I ask myself, what am I afraid of? I'm afraid that person doesn't love me. I'm afraid that person doesn't like me. I'm afraid that person doesn't think highly of me. Um, It can go on and on. You know, I'm afraid I'll be in the poorhouse. I'll be, you know, whatever the situation may be, you get to look at the fear. And then further on down the road in the fourth step, you ask yourself in each circumstance of fear where trusting and relying upon God could alleviate and remove those fears. And I think that was that was huge for me. And I had quite a bit of work to do when I came back around um, after, you know, my relapse at seven years sober. Uh, it took me, gosh, probably another good year. It doesn't need to take that long. Uh, I procrastinate sometimes, but it took me a good long time again to look back and say, you know what, it was okay. I was still okay if somebody lied to me, if they didn't love me anymore. Um, And today I can kind of have a little bit more trust in myself and my own thoughts. Because I do have that process to go back every night and look at my day and see where I may have been dishonest. And if I was, then I can go back the next day to that person and say, listen, I, I really need to correct something that I said or did yesterday.
1: I really like how you brought in that no matter what, whether, whether another person loves you or not, you're okay. It doesn't matter. You have to trust and rely upon God that maybe this is part of his plan or maybe somebody else is just self-will run riot. And that's okay. You're going to be okay. God hasn't taken me, you, or anyone else as far as we've gone to be let down just by somebody coming in or out of our life. I don't think, uh, you know, a piano dropping out of the sky on me, that's a problem <laughs> John and Victoria and Kevin, thank you for being here with us at Sober in the City. And when we come back, more about how did you start to become honest with others, with yourself, how does blatant honesty hurt others, and how can we be honest in all our affairs? We'll answer that in more. 800-SOBER-05. We're going to take a quick break for our sponsors who make this show possible. We'll be right back. At Believe Treatment Center, we understand. We understand you are struggling. That's why our treatment nourishes mind, body, and spirit. We understand that recovery works differently for everyone. That's why we design individual treatment programs specifically for you. At Believe Treatment Center, we understand that it's not easy. That's why we offer a comprehensive scope of services including nutrition, massage, chiropractic, and aftercare for you and even for your family. Believe Treatment Center is a 12-step friendly, state-of-the-art facility located in gorgeous Palm Beach County, Florida. We are experts in all types of addiction and recovery, and we are proud sponsors of Sober in the City. To find out more about our program and how your insurance may cover your treatment, call us today at 1-855-874-2354. That's 855-874-2354. 1-855-874-2354. Or visit BelieveTreatmentCenter.com. Believe Treatment Center. We understand. Are you a suffering addict or alcoholic? Is someone you know struggling with this disease? Let the Freedom From Addiction Foundation assist you with our acclaimed intervention and recovery coaching services. For a very affordable fee, we can set up and perform on-site interventions, ongoing treatment supervision, and personalized recovery and life coaching services. We are local, we are a nonprofit group, and we can work within your financial parameters by accepting most major credit cards and working with or without your insurance. Call today, 1-877-876-2329. 1-877-876-2329. Again, that's 1-877-876-2329. Are you a suffering addict or alcoholic? Is someone you know struggling with this disease? Recovery starts with one phone call. Call the Freedom From Addiction Foundation today, 877-876-2329.